Welcome back to the Smarter Marketer podcast, brought to you by Rocket Agency. I'm your host, James Lawrence. Welcome back to the Smarter Marketer podcast. Today, I'm here with Katie Richardson from Uni Days. Katie, welcome to the pod. Thanks, James. Excellent to have you here. So Katie is currently Creative Services and Marketing Director ANZ for Uni Days. Uni Days is used by roughly 35% of college and university students in the US, UK, Australia, and other countries, basically to provide a range of services to support students through higher education. Prior to Uni Days, Katie spent almost five years at Polite Social, where she um, worked her way through to become client services manager. Polite Social works in the socially driven content creation space. And I felt that as someone with almost 10 years experience, both client and agency side, working in social content and digital marketing, primarily to Gen Z, I thought Katie would be great to have onto the pod. And today we're going to be discussing how to market to Gen Z. So Katie, welcome. And I thought a good place to get started would be um, just for you to kind of describe Uni Days, what the organization does and, and where it's headed at the moment. Absolutely. Uh, thanks for the intro as well. <laughs> um, so UBA is, is essentially a global platform that connects brands with young people, so both students and graduates. Um, and in essence, we just want to make life as simple for young people as possible. So whether that's saving them money, connecting them with the brands they love, introducing them to new brands, um, we just want to be there every step of the way to support them from study through to graduation and beyond. Nice one. So yeah, highly, highly relevant what you're doing in your day job to this to this discussion, which is good. So I think um, just before we jump into it, I think it's good to discuss just broadly the cohort, like just to make sure we're on the same page and, and for the listeners as well. But like, how do we define Gen Z? What is it? So Gen Z, there's not an exact end date for, for the generation, but I think it's roughly between um, 1997 and so anyone born between 1997 and 2010 to 12. Yeah. So I think the upper end of that um, demographic is now around 25 yeah. and the younger is 10. Um, so when we talk about, yeah, Gen Z, we look at, at that that age range yeah that's it and I, I mean i did a bit of reading um before before the pod just to kind of um it's so hard when you're talking about an entire generation obviously there's going to be outliers and differences and whatever else but i think sometimes the generalizations are relevant and they do hold for for a particular reason so i mean how do you um i guess what do you see like what are the what are the general traits of that cohort who i guess are now you know between 10 and 25 years old yeah, so I think something that's really important to keep front of mind is the fact that these guys are through and through digital natives. So we can't treat them in the exact same way as we would millennials and beyond because the way they've grown up around technology is completely different to yeah. those other demographics. So I think with that in mind, it's just so important that brands, um, I'll probably touch on this later, but the brands do keep that front of mind in their digital experiences and especially usability of their site and apps and whatnot just keeping that really mobile first and making sure um the experience is really intuitive and easy to use for for these guys um but yeah i'd call that out as probably the number one yeah. defining characteristic and then the other i guess they're, they're the most diverse and um you know inclusive generation yet so yeah, yeah. it's kind of fascinating it's um I base it on a sample of five, being my little nieces and nephew, who, <laughs> who kind of fit firmly into the demographics. I'm always 
the annoying uncle who's in marketing. So I kind of observe <laughs> their, their use of technology and then try to befriend them on Snapchat and, you know, <laughs> and, and, try to, and try to stay relevant. But yeah, I kind of reading through the Wikipedia article, um, obviously general traits, but well-behaved, risk adverse, live more slowly than their predecessors were at the same age, consume alcohol less often, um, more concerned with academic performance and job prospects. I think this one's a really interesting one um, for us older older people. Better at delaying gratification than their counterparts from the 1960s, which I think is probably um, not necessarily the stereotype that older people would have about young people these days. Um, greater awareness and diagnosis of mental health conditions. Sleep deprivation is more frequently reported. Care about sustainability, responsibility, social impact. Um, less time reading books, more time on their phone. But I think as you, as you touched on, the big one is just that complete digital native. It's, um, it's not like other generations that kind of could remember a time before that happened. It's, it's a generation that has grown up knowing knowing nothing different, which I think is yeah, that's it. an interesting one. Um, and yeah, roughly 20% of consumers in Australia are, are fitting into this demographic. So it's an important one. I guess when, as it comes to um, to marketing and, and us as marketers, what, what do you see as the, I guess, those habits um, for, for, for Gen Z around technology and devices and applications and like where do we where do we find them what are they doing yeah sure so heavily yeah we obviously do a lot of research and kind of investigation into the places where they are playing so very heavily social um all the the standard ones you think of and more recently we're playing in uh tiktok yeah. and uh looking into sort of streaming services such as twitch um gaming's becoming a really important one i think that's something the brand should definitely take on board in terms of um that whole cohort, that's a massive opportunity there. Oh, I'm not too familiar with it myself, but I know that Be Real is now uh, a platform that um, Gen Z are using. And yeah, other services like Discord as well. And how do you, um, I don't know, maybe we're not jumping too far ahead, but like, how do you make sure you're backing the right horse? Because it is hard. Like, I think we, um, we work with a broad range of clients. Um, and TikTok has been so big in this demographic for quite, you know, for at least a couple of years now. We had TikTok come out and present to us um, at our staff meeting last week. And I think this time last year, um, half of TikTok users were made up of Gen Z. That's now dropped to 40%, not because it's still not growing, but because TikTok's growing as a more mainstream platform now. Um, but like, how do you stay on top of the channels that are changing so quickly versus just saying to, you know, the obvious ones, YouTube, Snapchat, TikTok, and like, you know, how do you make those decisions around where you're putting your activity? Yeah, definitely. So we do keep on top of those kind of um, shifts and make sure we're speaking to those platforms to understand what, what those changes look like. Yeah. Um, we're pretty lucky in that probably half of the ANZ team over here are, they do fall into the Gen Z demographic. So that really helps because we have day-to-day -day conversations about what's new, what yeah. people are using less. And yeah, just try and do as much market research as possible to understand that. And obviously performance metrics also reflect um, reflect that. So if we're seeing poor performance, we'll you know investigate and see yeah. if you can make any changes. Do you think it's, um, uh, how useful is it to have people within the age group in terms of marketing into them, do you think? Yeah, I was <laughs> going to touch on this at some point. It is essential. Like I, my job is made 50 times easier by the fact that, you know, half my team do fall in that demographic and we have, you know, they're part of the strategy, they help inform it, they're yeah. awesome at um, feeding into all elements. And we've got 
a couple in creative, a couple in commercial, a couple in marketing. So yeah. feeding discipline and then the fact that we know demographic. But yeah, I would strongly encourage anyone in any brand to make sure they've got Gen Z represented in, in the team. Interesting. Um, yeah, and if you can't, making sure you're hosting focus groups or you know, if you've got access to any survey functionality, like we're lucky to have uh, the council, which is our own research platform, yeah. but making sure you're actually speaking to them and asking them what they want and what they're doing and what they're using. It's, it's absolutely essential and it changes so much as well. So, you know, the, the, having that ongoing conversation, being able to have it in real time with colleagues is so much easier than, you know, running a research piece every two, three months. Yeah, that's it. And actually not whether you get around to it and how do you balance, um, getting all that great feedback and it's almost feet on the ground kind of thing versus still maintaining, you know, not seeing too much control over to, I presume, more junior members of the, the team that probably haven't also got the experience that, that you have and that more senior marketers in the team have. Like, how do you kind of work together in a way that, I guess, takes advantage of both of your, your skills and experience? Yeah, sure. Um, that's an interesting one because I think we are very much, you know, I like to test a lot of things and I don't often say no to just smaller, smaller tests. But I think, um, you know, if we were to identify something that was a really specific niche that didn't have the audience behind it and didn't have any sort of stats to support it, I'd probably be more hesitant or, you know, do a little bit of activity. But um, I think, yeah, that's a, that's a difficult one. And it definitely is a balance in bringing yeah. sort of expertise and knowledge of the channels that do work. Um, you know, I'm a big fan of traditional marketing, you know, out of home and all those kind of yeah. um, my sort of go-tos as well. So I think it's just about having both feed in and then the results will, you know, prove themselves in time. I think, and once again, I don't want to jump ahead, but because I, I feel with, um, it'd be interesting to get your perspective. Like it feels, but well, doesn't feel like TikTok creative content messaging on TikTok has to be different to the type of mess creative that you're taking out in other channels. And um, I imagine that it's, it's a constant battle for you guys, like how, how far to push it, how far to bend uh, brand guidelines and, and tone of voice and whatever else. But if you, if you kind of, if we're too rigid as marketers and we're sticking to things that, you know, were signed off two years ago, we're probably missing the boat in terms of actually reaching our audience. Right. So how like it'd be interesting. Yeah. Observations there. Is that true? Do you find that to be the same on, you know, more traditional platforms like YouTube, Snapchat? Like, what's the difference? How does it all meld together? Yeah. So we actually take a very different approach to TikTok than we do uh, other channels where we would do our standard sort of advertising that we know works for conversion and just brand building in general. Um, we're lucky at Uni Days because it is quite a fun, young brand yeah. so the way we can flex you know tone of voice and brand guidelines are such you know we do have a bit more leniency there than potentially some other some other brands but um we the way we play in tiktok is way more like user generated content and harnessing that using creators um, and influencers that you know back uni days and actually understand what we do and want to work for us because i feel like um it can come across very contrived if you know a brand has they're using either user-generated content or um, influencers, and there's a brief that has really restricted the way in which that creator is delivering um, the message. So I think, well, I like to think we do quite a good job of working with people that are experts on that platform. Yeah. Um, and I think it feels just a lot more native, doesn't it, to have um, TikTokers deliver content in that 
space you know people don't they're on there for entertainment they don't want to be sold to yeah that's it at least you've got to deliver it in a way that um feels at home in that platform that's it and it feels um we were talking about it before we, we jumped onto the onto the side of recording that gen z they have because they are digital natives that like they've almost they've got this incredible almost bs filter right in terms of authenticity mm-hmm. around when a brand is actually meeting them at their level versus just advertising to them and um I think for us clients that are more rigid aren't willing to kind of change and tweak and be relevant to the platform it's almost not worth engaging rather than engaging in kind of a disingenuous way in terms of TikTok right yeah Um, Yeah. it's kind of an interesting um, takeaway so in terms of like Snapchat YouTube what like observations there I guess around Gen Z behaviors how they differ from um, you know the other cohorts that we speak of in marketing? YouTube is becoming more important for us because in general, kind of short form, they've also got YouTube shorts and stuff now that we're, we're yeah. yet to explore, but um, any sort of video content specifically, short form is becoming increasingly important yeah. um, in our strategy. So yeah, that along with Twitch are kind of developing areas at the moment. Yeah. And I guess for the for people on the, on the pod less familiar how, like twitch like what is it how as a brand how do we engage organically paid what, what kind of what are the the general um what's the recipe for kind of making it work sure we're probably still working through the recipe at the moment yeah. um to be honest but twitch is a streaming um service so it's you know when i tr- traditionally would have thought of like gaming you know you think of by everyone else but my perception of gaming used to be very different to what it is now i think we find that 55 percent of our people that engage with our content on twitch are female for example Um, and i think twitch is an example of how mainstream gaming and kind of streaming services have become now so i think yeah it spans gamers kind of influencers in that space that do live feeds djs like there's all sorts on there so it's a really exciting really exciting space I, again, would recommend it for things like um, the non-skippable ads on on Twitch. So I think we see a 90% video completion rate, which is above the benchmark. I think the benchmark's something like 75 to 80 something percent. But yeah, it's a really interesting space to talk to a very broad range um, of people on there. Like it's a really diverse cohort. I think about over 40% fall into the 18 to 25 demographic, which you see heavily who we speak to. Yeah. But yeah, I say we, we probably only launched the Twitch strategy in June or July. So we're really finding our feet with it, but the results we are seeing are really strong. Again, those non-skippable, really short form targeted yeah. ads um, that we're currently just using for brand awareness. Yeah. They're performing really well for us at the moment. How do you, um, do you guys like allocate a certain percentage for testing, I guess, in terms of, of, of your overall spend, or it's more just if someone brings a good idea, you're happy to kind of run a, pilot or like is it what's the approach you take yeah good question it depends on what what we see is the, the value from that so twitch was on our radar for a long time and then you know as we assess budgets and move things around i wouldn't say we allocate a specific percentage but if we can downweight something that's not working and then some budgets free up well that's you know the first channel we look at whatever you know been thinking about yeah interesting it's um i found quite interesting in preparing for the pod I think there's this kind of um, 
I think it's been bandied about and it was kind of all around lack of attention span around Gen Z and younger people. I think it was misquoted at the time. We're basically saying that it's an, it's a it's a filter essentially where Gen Z, they've done these studies and it takes eight seconds for them to filter content and just go, yep, I'm interested or no, I'm not. And for millennials, it takes 12 seconds. And I think at the time it was kind of, you know, Gen Z have no attention span, which isn't necessarily what the study was showing, but it was more just about... Um, it doesn't take very long for them to go, yeah, not nah, interested or not interested. And so I think that kind of parlays into how to create content and what, you know, what content kind of works and what doesn't. So just kind of curious, you had to pick, pick your brain on what, what uh, types of content Unidays is trying to get into market and or what's worked historically. Um, any kind of tips and tricks for listeners? So it's a conversation we have regularly actually within the team, again, especially with the Gen Z guys, like understanding what works, yeah. what's Really capture their attention and it may seem like an obvious one but having standout creative with a fun or engaging message straight off the bat straight in there you know it's a very heavily content saturated market as we all know so it is extremely difficult to cut through but yeah the, the consensus seems to be it's bold eye-catching and interesting creative and messaging yeah. um, on the messaging front i would say unless you've got a Gen Z writer, don't try and speak Gen Z to them. <laughs> I was pretty quickly, if you take that angle, it does feel, as we said, very, you know, inauthentic. So I also do stand by, you know, if you're selling to these guys, own it. You know, they, they know what you're trying to do. I think it's, you know, they see through it pretty quickly. Yeah. So what you're doing, you know, take that approach and be bold with it. Um, but yeah, as I said, I think short form video really is the way forward and we see great results from it. Um, get to the point quickly, do something eye-catching and speak to them in a way that is on their level or if you can't do that and speak in that way just deliver the message you want to get yeah. across don't don't fake it yeah. um yeah and I, I think from our experience what we see is the last thing you want to do is take video content that you've created for a different platform or for a different audience and just chuck it into tiktok or whatever it might be it just doesn't work like no. start with you know who are the people we're trying to move what are we trying to achieve where's it going to be served and then create the content from, from that perspective and in all the reading I did leading up to, to this pod there is just this 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 feeling that and obviously to generalization but the cohort the digital natives they can smell a phony they know when they're being sold to don't and like music to my ears in terms of what you just said like don't try to talk like them if you aren't them like either you do it properly but just be, be yourself and think you um there's also this kind of I think it's the idea that brands particularly kind of the, the movement coming out of the states is that brands now do have to stand for something and if you stand for nothing you know you, you kind of stand for nothing and the idea is if you make it as a brand if you make a mistake apologize it's kind of i think it's a very different perspective to probably you know how it was 30 years ago and you know spinning stuff and pr and moving messaging around i think it's things move so quickly it's jump onto it be real be authentic um own your mistakes and you know be true to who you are yeah yeah, yeah. And I, I was going to sorry add one more point to that as well. I mean, spot on. Yeah, I think um, they have a very low, well, very high BS filter. So I think, you know, if you are, yeah, as you said, you make a mistake, own it and apologize publicly because yeah, you know, it will always surface and they'll always find it somewhere online. So yeah. the other kind of hint or tip I was going to give was um, don't worry on platforms like TikTok, um, brands don't need to worry so much about polished content. I think, you know, having that lo-fi, 
slut, you know, unpolished and um, raw and real content just work yeah. much better. So it's not about, you know, high value production and things yeah. like that. Like brands can film things very easily in house and just, you know, off phones and whatnot of just the staff or however they want to do it. And it it resonates really well because it's real and it's human. I think that's what people want to see on those kind of platforms. Do you, do you have any feedback? Because I, I couldn't agree with you more on that one. With uni days, I know that you guys are happy to push the bounds a bit, so it's probably a bit easier. Like maybe from your previous role, like advice for listeners who are in organisations that maybe don't have that um, mentality of being willing to push it a little bit. Like how do you get, how do you try to get buy-in to to get the approval to put stuff out there that's a bit edgier or just shoot something on an iPhone and put some basic production values around it and get it into market rather than thinking you're pumping out a seven-figure TVC. Like how do you get that through sometimes? Yeah, I think, well, to be honest, a lot of the brands we do work with are willing to flex and kind of, once they understand how things, how something's going to work, they're way more receptive to that and, and do flex because a lot of the brands we do work with are very youth skewed, so they're happy yeah. to work in that way. But I'd say brands that probably can't be as flexible and are a bit more rigid. That's a really good question. Um, it's really hard, isn't it? Because to get results, you need to get stuff into market and you don't need massive budgets, but then I, I appreciate that it's not that easy in some environments to get stuff through. Yeah, I'd say maybe then if you can't flex too much, you know, using that eight second window as such and creating something short form, you know, what can you do with the colors and the boldness and the messaging and the making sure the frames are changing every couple of seconds to get yeah. the attention and then, you know, hope that your offer or your, what you stand for is compelling enough to, yeah to get attention and to convert if that's what you're trying to do but um it's a difficult one because i do think with some of those platforms like tiktok if brands aren't willing to meet you know the audience halfway it's yeah. almost i don't want to say it's not worth playing in those spaces but you've got to be ready to not but it's almost not isn't it like if, yeah. we, if we if we take on board everything we've said about the generation and authenticity and don't be sold to and then you just chop up your you know your old TVC ad and stick it into TikTok. You just you're gonna get laughed out of town, right? Yeah. So <laughs> potentially, <laughs> I think it'd be good just to talk um, platforms uh, in terms of the the numbers jump around a little bit, but it feels that and I'd be really keen to hear how this compares to what you see. I guess because you're on the other side of it, getting results coming through. But um, it feels that YouTube, Snapchat, Instagram, TikTok other bigger platforms or the, the 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 generation skews heavier there um tiktok the data they were showing sharing with us last week was that um people are spending 110 minutes per day there on average which is like just insane where youtube's about 67 minutes per day each has about seven minutes per session um snapchat and instagram still pretty strong in the demographic although probably a little bit less strong than it is in for, for slightly older users. Um, and then there is this kind of feeling, I guess, that, that Facebook has now become the platform of mums and dads and grandparents. But I think it's actually probably backed up in, in terms of the usage data that we see. Um, very heavily skewed towards video. Um, is that kind of what you see from where you're putting your efforts, where you're putting your budgets, where you're putting your kind of content efforts? Like, is that roughly the, the, the right mix? Yeah, yeah, I'd agree with that. That being said, we do 
maybe surprisingly still see quite good performance from the likes of Facebook ads and things like that. We do where we're pushing those strong partnerships and brands that we know that Gen Z love. Yeah. Um, we do still see relatively good conversion and, and new traffic from, from that platform. But yeah, in terms of that weighting, I'd say that's, that's a fair reflection of where our sort of spend and attention. Yeah. Okay. And then Google probably pretty similar behavioral traits to most demographics right in terms of just being search driven rather than kind of social driven yeah yeah pretty similar how does it work because with unidays being an app a large part of it is kind of like driving app downloads and engagement with the app like i guess observations there around what's worked to try to get users to to download the app like what maybe that's different to other campaigns that you've run sure uh that's actually becoming a massive focus i mean we've we've been pushing out downloads for, for a while, but it's becoming increasingly important for us. Um, some of the functionalities that we do have within the Unidays platform, they're only available on the app. So some of the campaigns will run, we'll call that out. For example, we do a lot of like giveaways and competitions because we work with loads of awesome brands that are willing to, to run those with us or just within the marketing department, we'll push those out. Yeah. Um, but the giveaway functionality of, of Unidays is actually only uh, available in the app so sometimes if we're pushing those those giveaways uh across different channels when they follow that user journey they'll be unless they have the app they'll be re- redirected to get it um yeah. they can't go through the mobile side for example so yeah i think and then you know if they're on desktop we have tiles where there's the qr the classic qr code love it uh, <laughs> people now people now know what it is yeah <laughs> yeah exactly so yeah we we will have that on desktop sites and stuff and easily scannable on our digital out of home that all calls out um the app download that's the the main cta they can follow the qr and that takes them to the app store so i'd say it's we feature it heavily on on most of our kind of brand assets actually yeah and how how was this conversation's been very heavily focused on on digital how does offline work for you guys like still working well observations there yeah yeah so we've kind of built that into our always on strategy and we have a lot of digital out of home because obviously we're we're predominantly looking at students and and talking to them so a lot of stuff on campus and then also venues so those more the you know bars and things in close proximity to universities um, as well as some street furniture as well so We've QR coded some of them, so they're trackable, but a lot of them are just there to, especially the digital stuff, it's awesome for changing creative messaging yeah. quickly, easily. So if we've got a sale moment or we're running one of these big giveaways, um, like at the moment, we've got a big competition called Pimp My Pad, which is like win $5,000 worth of bedroom makeover, essentially. Yeah. So we'll use that just to push initiatives like that. But um, I'm a huge advocate for it. I feel... Like especially when you know we're still working on the market over here we're not as established as we are in the uk for example which is where you know we were founded i think it's a really important part of the marketing mix and especially now everyone's you know i don't want to talk covid but now everyone's back in real life shopping in real life back on campus going about their daily business um it's never been more important i think yeah. it's for brands there as well but i think it's real isn't it like it's from march 2020 onwards there was this flight to digital and obviously it made sense because people are on devices in their homes and not, not going out as much. Um, but the reality is, is things have opened up and are opening up and kind of want to, you know, be where people are. And I think you guys have the advantage of, um, of having that 
very uh, kind of obvious geographical area where you can focus your your out of home efforts, right? Um, sure. being, being around universities and, and education centers. In terms of um, things that don't work, like observations around the types of approaches to marketing that just don't work for, for Gen Z? Really good question. I think, as we kind of touched on earlier, anything that feels slightly off or contrived or inauthentic, or even in terms of partnerships, if you're trying to merge things together that don't quite fit or mm. No, it's not purpose-led and there's nothing behind it. I think if there's lack of substance and purpose, that's that's really palpable for, for Gen Z. So I don't think that kind of stuff works. They see straight through that. And it's um, probably not even just that demographic. I think everyone really has a very, we're more in tune with that kind of stuff now. And I think people expect brands to be real and um, communicate in a two-way conversation with with their customers and yeah i think that's a really important one not to feel insincere i guess or, or contrived i think i do feel there is this almost patronizing um view down at the generation if that if that makes sense so i think it is almost well they'll just take it and it's like well no actually they're savvy as all hell but yeah. they, they're just they're probably doing it in a slightly different way to the way that people who are now in their 40s and 50s would have done it so it's kind of I do feel that there is almost this um, sometimes obviously once again generalizations but um, maybe a complete misconception around what's being appraised and what's not and I think your 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 insight into you know don't don't try to speak gen speak gen z speak if you if you don't know how to speak it don't do it I think having people that are closer to the, to the demographic and can, and kind of get it um, is probably an interesting way of trying to bridge the gap there be interesting like do you have any um i guess challenges or opportunities like what are some opportunities that marketers m- might not have thought about in terms of marketing to this cohort that um that from your experience are things that people could consider um i think that it's really important to provide value so in terms of obviously talking about our space um having really strong discount strategy so I think rather than having a big sale moment and then returning to full price, for example, if there's any sort of always an opportunity to provide value to this um, cohort, I mean, specifically, obviously, with uni days, it's students or graduates, but young people in general, if there's any way of just having that as an always on, some of the highest performing brands we see with uni days are those that just offer the standard. It's not a huge percent off, but it's consistent and they know where to go for it. And they're always the top performers because they've built that trust and kind of brand loyalty with their audience so it's just that kind of ongoing you know five ten percent discount to students and that's kind of it's not you're not kind of going out with campaigns around seasonal campaigns around discounting or christmas another you know black friday type stuff or yeah i mean you can but just you know what's going to set you apart so can you provide early access to gen z for those sale moments when you are pushing them yeah that's good stackable offers so you know they're not just getting the sale moment everyone else is they're getting that extra five ten percent off on top of that yeah. um, building hype around those moments there's, there's heaps of different strategies um but yeah just i think a consideration especially in the current you know economic climate yeah would, would go a long way and especially the idea of you know with where we're talking to students and grads um in a gated community where can you provide something exclusive like an exclusive offer that that works really really well and helps Again, as I say, build up trust and, and affinity with brands. Yeah, and I think that's in, it's some interesting um, ideas there around like not even having to come at the expense of, of margin, right? Like just coming at it from exclusivity or early access or always on or, or whatever it might be. Yeah. Um, Katie, that's been excellent. I, I do feel if if you're um, a listener to the pod and 
marketing into this cohort is important. Definitely some good considerations, right? I think first of all around um, just general traits, then around kind of activity. Where are we hanging out? Where are we spending our time? And then also then how to actually move people. What's the type? What are the rights and wrongs around the things that will engage versus the things that will deter? Um, I always um, ask this one question of, of people on the pod of, of guests. What's the one piece of marketing advice you'd give to an in-house marketer wanting to succeed? So, yeah, in line with our conversation, I think we've already touched on it, but having a Gen Z or a young person in the room for every decision, I think, you know, that demographic is only going to become more and more important. So having that representation, and if you haven't got someone on the team, as I say, holding a focus group, interacting with them in real life, I think it's it's invaluable. You'll learn so much from them. So that would be my, my advice. That's great advice. Love it. Katie, thanks so much for coming onto the pod. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. Thanks for listening to the Smarter Marketer podcast. Stay up to date about new episodes on LinkedIn and Instagram by searching for Smarter Marketer podcast. You can purchase your own copy of Smarter Marketer via the Amazon website. And if you want a second opinion about your business's approach to digital marketing, send me an email, jamesl at rocketagency.com.au or visit the rocketagency.com.au website. Thanks for your time.